Hello and welcome to Cutting In From The Left. I am your host, Tom Wise, and I've got with me regular Luis Antonio Street. How are you doing, Luis? Hi, Tom. Uh, doing well. Looking forward to a good preview of the, uh, of the Premier League today. And we have OG from podcast number one, uh, Jamie Powell back <laughs> with us. Jamie, mate, it's good to see you. Hello, Tom. Thanks for having me back. It's been some time. It has, it has, but I can't wait to hear your cutting insight on this Premier League preview podcast. It's not even been a month since England's final defeat to Italy in the Euros, but we're now ramping up for the start of the Premier League season at the weekend. This is going to be a podcast where we go through the 20 teams, we say a little bit about each team, their hopes for the season, how they did last year, some of the transfers they've made, and we aim to answer some of the important questions. Like, will Leicester ever achieve top four football? Will Watford ever get through a season without sacking a manager? And can Man City win their fourth title in five years? So lie down, relax, and let the sports commence. We're going to start in alphabetical order. That means we'll be looking at Arsenal first. This is the first season since 1995-96 that the Gunners are going into a campaign without European football. They came eighth last season. That's two eighth places in a row. I got the feeling that Mikel Arteta will be judged a bit more harshly this year. Luis, what are you, what are you expecting from Arsenal? Um, yeah, I agree he'll be judged more harshly. I think they'll have some expectations now that he's had a bit of time to bet in, bring in some of his own players. I really can make the squad his own a little bit more. So I think they really do have to push on. Uh, encouraging for them that they were um, in good form in the second half of the season, I think third in the form table overall from Boxing Day. They just some good young players coming through as well. I think an issue for them might be that they want to get rid of, of a few players who are still hanging around. Perhaps not interest for likes of, I mean, Xhaka, I think the deal fell through with Roma. Um, one of the two players there, perhaps who, um, Elneny as well, who, who they'll look to move on and to replace with a few fresher players. Yeah, I'm interested to see how Ben White does as well. Obviously, a big money signing for them. He can strengthen that back line, and that could be a key for them. Yeah, I think they've got things to look forward to and be optimistic about. But I'm not sure if they have that quality to really secure a fourth-place finish, a top-four finish. Um, I think they'll be lacking a little bit, to be honest. Yeah, I think uh, they've got to get Aubameyang scoring again. He had a pretty rubbish season last year. Uh, only scoring eight non-penalty goals in the league all season. They have to look to their young players. I think we've said it on previous podcasts, their young players are going to be the ones that get them out of this. Um, yeah, yeah, Saka's had an amazing Euros. You've got Smith Rowe, who, who had a really good second half of the season last year. How do you think, Jamie, the, the absence of European football will, will impact on this Arsenal team? Um, well, I think they're pretty pretty used to the absence of European football, so I think they could probably do with it in terms of focusing just on that that top six aim, really. I mean, they've got young players that won't necessarily possibly mind missing out on Champions League football and aiming to try and get it back. You know, that, that should be the aim of the club, really. They've been at it long enough, but... I mean, it seems like Aubameyang is going to stay. It seems like uh, Jack is going to sign a new contract. In terms of how it's impact transfers, I'm not so worried about that, particularly with White coming in. I think for them, it really is just like using that those fewer games to solidify, you know, 
getting that, aiming to get that goal that they've they've wanted to get for a while, really. And it, there'll be a lot of hope that Pepe can continue his excellent form from the end of last year. He ended with 16 goals and five assists, and half of these goals came from April onwards. So maybe he can finally prove that he is worth all the money that they paid for him. Arsenal definitely aiming, aiming for the European spots again. We'll go to Aston Villa next. So the big question for the villains is obviously, can they uh, perform with Act Grealish in the team? Uh, obviously, their star man, Talisman, has gone to Manchester City for £100 million. Pounds. A massive deal. Something that the Villa fans have been quite hurt by, you know, this local lad sort of leaving for this money. But, you know, it's football, it happens. They've made a lot of good signings, Villa, to, to make up for Jack leaving. Uh, Leon Bailey's came in from by Leverkusen. Danny Ings signed uh, from Southampton. And, of course, Emi Buendia has gone to Aston Villa, which is deeply upsetting to me still. Jamie, what... What should we make of Leon Bailey? Because he's not someone I've watched very much, but I like to think you know your German football. So, so indulge me. Uh, he is rapid. He's very quick. He's he's quite direct. Uh, you're gonna get you're gonna get something similar from him that you might have got from a a, a younger Sterling, let's say, someone who focuses less on sort of playing as a team and something more of your sort of old school winger that just wants to pick up the ball and run at teams. Uh, I was surprised to see him go there. Um, he has done well at Leverkusen and I was surprised actually, to be honest, that he wasn't poached by Bayern, but I guess they've got lots of players like him already. But I also feel like in Traore, Villa already had that kind of player. Um, especially as he's right-footed as well, um, so we'll we'll see see what he does. I think he's a solid player. I think they've got lots of made some really good signings. I think they've got the young players, and they're in a very similar position actually to Arsenal. You know, they got lots of young players. They got lots of players that are direct and they want to create opportunities, and they've got two good finishers now that can can finish them. So to be honest, I feel like they're actually the team that Arsenal want to be this year, but actually it might end up being Villa. I feel pretty good about them and I feel pretty good about that signing, to be fair. Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with you. I, I really like the Villa team. I mean, they've got, like, their goalkeeper was like the best kept secret for 10 years on the Arsenal bench. He's he's a, a must-have in fantasy football now. Like, I really like their back four. And there's talk about Axel Twanzebe coming in from Man United as well, which will add some depth. Ward Prowse as well, someone I haven't mentioned, he's been linked with him. And, you know, another, he's one of your idols, Jamie, isn't he? I mean, he'd, he'd, he'd really add something to their team too. That's my boy, yeah, absolutely. He's got something that they probably haven't got, which is obviously uh, set pieces, but also just box to box in the midfield. That sort of works very well with the sort of midfield they already have and also makes up for that energy that, that they've lost in Greenwich. So again, I just if that ad does happen, it's a perfect transfer window that covers all of the things that Greenwich does, but as a better team. So I feel, yeah, I feel really good about them. What were you thinking, Luis? You think they can make it into the top six? I agree that they're looking really good. I think top six will be difficult for them, uh, definitely. Um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of shape they have as well. I think they've been trialling a 4-4-2 in pre-season. A little bit of a departure from what they were doing as Watkins at the you know, the lone frontman last season. So you have to see how that new shape works for them too. 
So I feel like it, it is possible they might make a little bit of a slow start. They have a few players to bet in, uh, adapting to you know a lot of their play revolved around Grealish. So it's going to be a bit of a transition for them. But I can definitely see them picking up perhaps after a slightly slow start. And I think top six might be a little bit of a push for them. But I can definitely see them threatening seventh, eighth place. Um, perhaps you know taking the promotion for, for example from West Ham last season. Had a quite unexpected kind of run of form and you know, and really pushed for that top four slot. Yeah, I wouldn't say that necessarily they'll push for Champions League, but I think definitely Europe is realistic for them um, if these signings hit the ground running. And that Villa team's got one of the best number out and out number nines in the league in Ollie Watkins. I'll use this as a segue into another great number nine who plays for Brentford. He's called Ivan Tony. He hit 33 goals in 38 championship games last year. He also got 10 assists. This is this is a very exciting year for Brentford. You know, they've got their new ground now. They'll finally have fans back in their new ground. And it's their first opportunity in the in the top division for God knows how long. They'll be desperate for survival. And I think with a man like Tony, they've they've given themselves a, the best best chance of survival. The only questions will be over whether he can step up a division. He's only previously had 10 minutes in the in the Premier League before, and that was during the 2015-16 season for Newcastle. Um, but I like I like Tony a lot. I think he's he's a very good number nine. What do you think, Jamie? Do you think they've got a chance? Uh, I think it'll be difficult. I think it'll be difficult for them. But that's that's what the challenge is, you know. That they've they've earned that opportunity to try and stay up. Uh, there's one thing Brentford can always do, which is to sign players. I feel pretty confident in the signings that they've made, uh, and obviously Tony has that that potential there. They've got uh, a lot of players who played in the Euros, so they've they've got a, a strong sort of experienced team. So I think there's there's definitely potential there for them. There's a few players in that team have got a point to prove. But I just think it's such a, a difficult job. In the last few seasons, we've seen the teams that go up and the teams that go down. So it will be they've got a lot to lot to prove. But I think they'll be fun to watch regardless of whether they stay up or not. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you've got a point there. Like it is so hard. Just the gap between the Premier League and the Championship is so massive. It, the the difference of a play. If Tony does hit the ground running, you know you have to give him a chance. They've made a couple of decent signings. Frank Onyeka. Uh, this tough midfielder has come in for Michelin and they've brought in Celtic's centre-back Christoph Iyer to tighten up at the back. You need to be able to score goals to survive. And I think of the teams coming up, I think Tony is the superior striker, really. What, what do you think, Luis? Do you think, do you think they've got a chance? I think it's interesting because we haven't really mentioned their defensive record as well so far. And that was kind of the basis of their form last season. A lot of it was the defensive side. I think David Raya, you know, is quite a highly rated keeper as well for them. They've got the likes of Rico Henry, he's a very good uh, left back. You know, I think he's been someone we've talked about for a while, I think for some bigger teams as well. Um, so they definitely have quite a robust back line and Pinnock in there as well. So I think that is a key area for them because if they can go the season and not be conceding two, three goals a game on a regular basis, that could be the key to them staying up as opposed to being a sort of really exciting free flowing team. I think they will try to be solid, try to keep clean sheets, and use that as a basis to survive. Um, I do think it'll be very tough for them. I think uh, Tony, you know, championship strikers, they tend to have a very mixed record coming up to the Premier League. And he did have quite a few goals, which were for penalties last season as well. 
you're not going to get that kind of space and those penalties, etc. in the Premier League. I think if they stay up, they'll do it by scraping one nils, one all draws, those kind of results, really kind of getting in amongst it, down and dirty, and kind of scrapping it out, playing the stats and the percentages, which was what they're designed to do. Um, they used kind of uh, a particular statistical system uh, prioritised by Matthew Bentham, their owner. Um, so, yeah, I think they'll play the percentages. Um, they'll try to be tough to beat. I don't. I certainly don't think they'll come bottom. But I think they might have not have quite enough to survive. There's a hot take right there. I love it. I love it. Moving on to a team that desperately lacked firepower last year, and that's Brighton and Hove Albion. They were mainly, I mean, they were sort of in the relegation mix-up, but never really looked in doubt of in, in, in with any chance of going down because of how good their defence was and their goalkeeper last year. Sanchez came in after Matt Ryan went on loan to Arsenal and he was amazing between the sticks. And the back three of Dunk, Webster and White, they they played magnificently. It was it was almost hard to choose which one of those centre-backs would be going to the, to the Euros with England. And in the end, they chose White over Lewis Dunk, which will annoy some Brighton fans, I think. Ben White's obviously gone to Arsenal now, so it'll be interesting to see what they do there. Will they sign another centre-back or will they finally put eight-foot-tall Dan Byrne at centre-back where he probably should have been playing all along? In terms of uh, going forward, I've seen that they've been linked with Odson Edward from Celtic. Uh, he scored a lot of goals up in Scotland. He could be the answer to sort of solve their, their worries going forward. Jamie, you're a big admirer of Lewis Dunk. Will this be the year that he finally gets his uh, his England run? I love Lewis Dunk. I think he does everything right without ever appearing to be doing too much. I think it's just effortless for him. But I think that also works against him. I just think no. <laughs> I just think Ben White is a, a, a flashy, tanned, tattooed smart haircut version of Lewis Dunk who's younger so and I think he's going to be taking that reign Joe Gomez will be coming back for England soon there's so many young centre-backs I think he may have been past that but that doesn't mean he can't single-handedly keep Brian up this year just saying I think they they have shown that you can still stay up even when you don't score goals most teams go down because they can't score enough but their defence is so good they can just get a few more goals this year than it will be easy rather than a struggle. So I think I, I just, yeah, I like Brian. I think what they do works perfectly. I think the way they control games against the weaker teams and defend so well against the stronger teams, it's like, you know, I, I, I don't feel worried about them. Graham Potter, he always strikes you as a man who's sort of got his head screwed on, uh, very likeable bloke. One of their best players last year was obviously Eve Basuma as well. Um, there's been no movement on the transfer front in terms of him going anywhere. I think Liverpool might have been linked weeks ago, but doesn't look like he's going to move on, which will be music to Brighton fans' ears. If they if they don't sign this centre forward, they'll just be desperate for Neil Mopay and Aaron Connolly to step on a little bit. Have you got any relegation worries about Brighton, Louise? I think I think they'll be in the they'll be around the mix somewhere. But as Jamie says, they might they might just survive as they always do. Um, well, I think the big thing to check for them is how their XG does this season. I mean, who really cares about relegation? Um, I think that's that's the real quiz. They might be in a bit of trouble if they don't bring in some attacking reinforcements. I do think that that could be their undoing, despite their really solid defensive unit. I think in that sense, there's some parallels with Brentford in terms of what they might be looking to replicate, again, in terms of having 
as Jamie mentioned, that control against some of the smaller sides and a little bit of defensive solidity against the bigger boys in the league. I do think if they bring in someone who can get them a reliable 10 to 15 goals in the Premier League season, they'll be completely fine. If they don't bring in that player, I do think they'll be in quite a bit of trouble. As a, as a Norwich fan, they are one of them teams that I'm secretly quietly hoping like do terribly because I think they'll be in and around us. Couldn't wish it on Graham Potter because he is such a nice player. Moving on to Burnley now. Sean Dyche, he's still at the helm at Turf Moor. He managed to keep Burnley up out of trouble last year on a shoestring budget. Their biggest signing of last summer was the sixth choice central midfielder for Brighton, Dale Stevens, costing a miserly £750,000. He's done such an amazing job uh, throughout the years. They've never really looked in, dan- in danger of going down either. They were bought by an American consortium in January. Maybe the money will start to flow now. They've already signed Nathan Collins, young centre-half from Stoke. He cost £12 million. So it'll be interesting to see whether he can sort of muscle his way in and, and displace either me or Tarkovsky. Burnley, solid as ever. Chris Wood, he's, he's now hit double figures, uh, four Premier League seasons in a row, which is pretty outstanding. What do you think of their survival chances, Louise? I think they'll do enough to stay up again. I don't see them getting relegated under Sean Dyche. I think he's just too in sync with, with the team and with the club and what they're doing. He knows exactly what he needs to get out of them. Even if they have a blip in form, go a few games where they can't buy a win, it always seems like they'll turn it around. Um, they have that solidity there. They have that experience, have a really settled squad in general. I and mean, we can say, obviously, they haven't made many signings. But on the flip side, that means they have a really cohesive unit there. Um, they all know their roles. I think Dwight McNeil's a really exciting player. Love watching him play. Um, I think he'll have a really huge season. I can see him really picking up and improving from you know already an exciting uh, season last time out and I think really pushing on I think they'll need him too as well for a bit of attacking inspiration uh, if they can bring in another wing or striker to support uh, him and Chris Wood that would definitely help them out as well but yeah I think um, they've got a tried and tested formula uh, they'll stick to it and I think they'll, they'll do enough to stay up can you can you ever see Sean Dyche leaving Burnley Jamie um, he's he's obviously been there for nine years now would, he, would his head ever be turned or would a bigger club ever they ever hire Sean Dyche or is he sort of destined to be at Burnley's level for the rest of his life? I don't know. I thought I, I thought he was going to go a few years ago and I also thought maybe the end of last season he might have as well. I don't know whether this money coming in might make a difference to that because he's never going to go to one of the big, big teams. Either. They're never going to take that risk on him. But he might go to a team that's a similar level as Burnley but perhaps have got uh, I don't know, a new ownership or some more money in the club or I hate, hate to say, you know, higher wages and stuff, but the ability to bring in new players and, and just a fresh start. But the fact that Burnley have now got this money, it's almost just like, oh, he's just never going to go because what's the point in going to an Everton when he has the chance of possibly finishing with them or above them with Burnley? You know, it, if anything, that, that money is just going to, buy Burnley some new WD-40 to keep that machine ticking away perfectly and why not keep him there if he wants to be there and keep that machine whirring away you know he's done such a great job to keep them in this division all this time but his Wikipedia does have him down as a Liverpool supporter so if this is the year Jurgen Klopp decides he wants to go back to Germany then I wonder if he'll be handing his CV in he hasn't got enough teeth, I'm afraid, to be a Liverpool manager. He's only got about six, hasn't he, from all the gravel that he's been eating over the years. 
move on now to the European champions, Chelsea. Can they follow up their Champions League win with the Premier League title this time around? They managed to beat Man City three times in the space of six weeks last season. Uh, this was in an FA Cup semi-final, in a league game and also the European Cup uh, final itself. But while they had these highs, they also managed to lose to Wolves and West Brom and they dropped further points against Southampton and Brighton. If you're going to win the league title, you need to really put the crap teams away. You can't rely on just beating the big boys. Maybe maybe this season will be different. It will be Tuchel's first full year at Chelsea. Uh, and they do now have uh, Romelu Lukaku, obviously coming back to the bridge after seven years away. He will likely displace Timo Werner, which personally a bit gutted about. I'm a bit of a Werner stan. I think he offers quite a lot. But yeah, Jamie, do you think this will be enough for Chelsea to really push Manchester City this year? I think they will push Liverpool. <laughs> I don't think they'll push Man City because I don't think anyone will push Man City. I think I think they looked really good at the tail end of last year. They did sort themselves out against the small teams at towards the end of the season. They were winning their big games, obviously, the biggest being the Champions League final. Uh, and the players that they brought in that struggled at the beginning after, you know, being given... I guess some instructions by Frank Lampard, but we're not sure if they're ever given the instructions by Frank Lampard. Havertz, I think, is a, is looks really good, and he looked really good at the Euros as well. I actually think this is a, a hot take, so be ready for it. I think Kai Havertz is actually going to score more goals than Lukaku this season. Wow! Wow! Um, that is that is big. That is yeah. Big. I, he looks to me if he can. It, do what he does best at, in that Champions League final in the Euros, which is just to find space out of nowhere, like a young Thomas Muller. I think he will. I think he'll score a lot of goals. I think he'll score a lot at the beginning of the season. I think it's actually going to take Lukaku a while to get back up to pace with the Premier League style, whereas Kai Havertz has had a whole season to get get going and figuring out how to do it. And I just think he looks really good. So I think they've got a really good chance. I think they've got really good players and, a, and more time with a really good manager. So I think they'll do really well. But I don't think they'll be better than City. Okay, interesting. Lukaku coming back, Luis. I see the money he's coming back for. He's obviously what Chelsea need. They need that number nine. They weren't convinced by Werner last year. Personally, like... I, I think Lukaku's a very good player. I think he's been a bit of a flat-track bully, maybe in England, like scoring a lot of goals against some weak teams. He obviously had a great year in Italy. I, I'm not convinced that he's going to be this missing piece of the puzzle. What do you think? I was a little bit sceptical about Lukaku when he was at Man United. I thought, as you say, perhaps a little bit of a flat-track bully. I think he's developed a lot at Inter. I think Conte helped him. Um, I think he was also showing a lot more confidence in him as being the main man, the talisman at Inter, which is not something he ever was at Man United. He was always criticised a bit by even his own managers like Mourinho. So I feel that he has improved a lot. He's got a lot more confidence now. He's coming in you know, for Big Money to be the main man for Chelsea. I think he'll thrive on that. Uh, and uh, to be honest, I think he'll be a superb signing for them. I do think he is the missing piece for them. I don't think that that means that Werner doesn't have any spot. I think the way Tuchel plays, he'll be able to fit in Werner possibly coming in off wide areas uh, as Lukaku has a focal point. We know Lukaku can drift out wide as well. I think there is scope for them both to play and perhaps Havertz in the team there as well. So I think they'll be really dangerous going forward. 
I think Lukaku, he could have a great season for them and, yeah, potentially propel them to, say, 90 points. Um, but the thing is, 90 points isn't necessarily good enough to stop this Man City team because that's how good they are. Um, so, yeah, like, like Jamie, I think they'll fall a little bit short. You're finally ready to give Jorginho some credit, Luis, by the way. Let's start this season the right way by saying he's actually a, an all right footballer. Uh, I might be to say he's a good footballer. I, I think some of the hype around his Euros performance is still a, a little bit ridiculous. Ballon d'Or shouts and all of that. I think he benefits from having a lot more time on the board in international football. Having said that, I'm sure he'll play a big role for Chelsea this season. All right, we'll go to South London now. Crystal Palace and life after Roy Hodgson. He's obviously retired from management. He'd done a, he'd done a good, if not outstanding, job with Palace over the last few years. Patrick Vieira's walked in. I'm not quite sure if he knows what he's walked into. Uh, this, this Palace side are in a bit of a state. They've lost a lot of established first-team players like Patrick Van Arnholt, uh, James McCarthy, Gary Cahill, Andros Townsend. Uh, one of their best players last year in, in Eze is, is out until 2022 with, uh, I think he might have snapped his Achilles, which is absolutely terrible. And their first games are Chelsea away, Brentford at home, West Ham away, Spurs at home and Liverpool away. And final negative, AFCON. The AFCON Cup of Nations is rightfully back in its January slot and they look like they'll lose a load of players Kiyato, Zahar, Jeffrey Schlupp Ayu is there any good news Luis for the Eagles faithful out there? The good news is for Vieira is that he can't really do much worse than Frank de Boer did if he manages that that'll be very impressive yeah the squad's in a little bit of a state at the moment you can say it's a transition I think it's been very poorly handled because you start the transition before the players move on not just when all their contracts expire. Um, having said that, I think they've made one or two good signings, Gwehi and Olise, uh, coming in from the championship, really. Zaha staying. Um, so that's a big positive for them. Obviously, he's a huge player for them, a talisman. And they still have you know, some important players who have stuck around, uh, a decent kind of core that, that Hodgson passed on. But yeah, I don't see it going any other way than badly. I don't think Patrick Vieira has shown at all that he's a, a good manager at any kind of high level. On both sides, it's a little bit of desperation, i.e. Crystal Palace needed someone to come in. They probably had a few people turn down the job before they gave it to Vieira. I think Vieira, on his part, this is probably the biggest job he could possibly get at this stage in time, certainly in a league like the Premier League. Yeah, I'm not exactly a match made in heaven. I think he'll be... a a very long season for Palace fans. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what Petro Vieira is like. I feel like he, he can't really tarnish his uh, reputation as a Premier League legend, no matter what happens at Palace, but it might do his managerial stock a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a dampener. 4-4-2 had Palace down to come 20th. Would you have him anywhere different, Jamie? No. No, I don't think so. Although, having said that, I think Big Sam will do a good job when he comes in later on in the season. So that might help him out a little bit as well. I'm not convinced that no one's convinced at all by Patrick Vieira. Uh, I'm surprised Palace are convinced by Patrick Vieira. I will be honest. I was reading a little bit on The Athletic about how it ended at Nice because I always thought he, you know, they looked all right. It wasn't like Thierry Henry's Monaco nearly getting relegated or anything. They did okay. But they said that he, when he left, he had a distinct lack of identity or style as a manager. And uh, after Hodgson going, 
you would presume that instead of getting someone in who could who work the same way as Hodgson, they would pick someone like they like they did when they took the gamble with Deber, who might change the style. But actually, they've just hired someone who has a distinct lack of identity and style. So I am very worried about about Palace, which would be a shame because they're a, a proper established Premier League team, uh, and Hodgson's done such a good job with them. It will be a shame to see them go down. Also, I don't know if either of you two have been, but Selhurst Park as an away day was probably my least favourite. The seat, the seat in the away end was so far back. The sort of top of the of the stadium was covering off the pitch. You couldn't see anything. It was, yeah. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't miss them going. But if they get relegated, no doubt Norwich will get relegated too. So we'll still be going there next year. We'll go on to Everton now. Uh, there was only one story really this summer about Everton, and that is Rafa Benitez being back on Merseyside. There'll be no honeymoon period for Benitez to settle in at Everton. His comments about the Blues being a small club back in his Liverpool days, probably still remembered. Probably still true. <laughs> Something that I don't think is brought enough attention to is the fact that their owner, Mashiri has spent £500 million in his time at Goodison, and they haven't achieved one top six finish. I mean, that is... That is mad. Like I, in my head, I know they spent mad money on people like Alex Iwobi and <laughs> things like that, but th- that is outstanding, the way they've not made one. And after last season as well, the start they made, I really thought they were going to do something. I really thought Ancelotti knew what he was doing, but even him, by, by the end of this campaign, they were terrible. So, so in a way, they can't be too upset over losing uh, Carlo. They've had six managers in seven seasons. They seem constantly in transition. Some of the positives from last year is obviously the start that I mentioned and the signings of Ben Godfrey and Alan. Uh, they really, really played well last year. I'm not sure what to expect from Everton, really. I mean, what, what, do, what do you think about Benitez being back at being back on Merseyside, Jamie? If I take my sort of um, Liverpool hat off, honestly, it kind of makes sense to me. I don't think it's that outrageous, really. I mean... I'm not surprised because he does live in Merseyside. He has always, his family have always lived in Merseyside. His kids have gone to school there their whole time. Even when he moved to China, he moved there himself on his own. So logistically, it makes sense. Um, I think they have uh, some really good players. I think looking at like talking about Godfrey and Alan, I think they will do so good under Benitez because they're such solid defensive players that work hard. It makes sense. Do I think it'll work? Maybe, you know, Ancelotti going is is massive because he's such a massive figure, um, and it's it's not a surprise that once Ancelotti's left with all his brilliant connections, the transfer players they've got in have dropped massively in stature. I'm not surprised by that at all. I just think it'll be another steady Eddie season, up and down, start pretty well, finish okay. I just don't see them as a threat to top six at all obviously but yeah I think it's a it makes sense but I don't think it's particularly exciting is it yeah speaking of those transfers uh Damari Gray's come in from Leverkusen and just Townsend's come in Asmir Begovic has come in uh yeah it isn't it isn't very much to get excited about um do you, have you given him any chance of making top six Louise no I didn't see it really I think ninth or tenth is more realistic for them, to be honest. I think they will solidify defensively. I think there's been a bit of an issue for them at times, especially in spells where they've just been very leaky. I do think Benitez will tighten that up. 
I think it's interesting to see actually Gray and Townsend coming in because I think a feature that some Liverpool fans noted of Benitez's time is that we signed quite a few mediocre wingers. I think he's continuing that tradition there. Uh, the likes of Jermaine Pennant spring to mind. But yeah, I think, uh, as you mentioned, it's just been a huge money pit really for Mashiri, uh, this club, and they never seem to do you know, what, what David Moyes was able to do even in his time at the club on a much lower outlay. Um, so you've got to go credit to them for the consistency that he had in building that team. But yeah, they just never seem to, to quite click. Uh, we've mentioned as well, I mean, Richarlison and Dominic Carvalho the two more players we can mention as being really top, top-notch players for them. Um, but it doesn't have enough around them, enough of a cohesive style to, to make it you know, a, a team that can push for top six. So no, I don't think they'll They'll be doing much. I think it'll be quite a boring season potentially for them even uh, and just kind of sticking around mid-table, perhaps hoping for a cup run. Not too much to look forward to for the Toffees, sadly. Leeds United next. They had a great first year back in the top division last season, first time since 2004. It's finally been proved that Patrick Bamford can do it in the Premier League. He got 17 goals, even though this wasn't enough to get an England cap. And I will remind everybody there's still time for Stephen Kenny to claim him for Ireland after his, I think, under-17 appearances for, for the Irish. So hopefully that gets sorted this season if England don't want him. Stuart Dallas, he was a star of last year. Called, uh, I think the fans call him the Cookstown Cafu, which I love. He had, a, he had a great season, like I say, he was everywhere on the pitch. So yeah, a, a very successful first year back in the top flight for Leeds. Uh, what, what are you hoping for this year, Jamie? Uh, I think keeping hold of Rafina for the rest of the transfer windows, priority number one. Uh, and I think they're just going to get better and better. I think Bamford has mentally got past that sort of championship to Premier League gap and that lack of confidence. He's got a manager that has so much confidence in him and the whole team do that they just they just look better every single game. You know, they, they always have times in the year where they drop off a little bit but that's always because they're playing 10 times harder and working harder than anybody else any other team you know but uh, I, th- I, th- I think they'll it'll be more of the same personally and I, I don't see a, a second season syndrome really because you know Bielsa's has stayed there almost as long as he stayed anywhere at this point and everyone was saying it last year that they were going to run out of energy but it just seems different for him here he seems to be happy and he's finally found a team that have sort of fully embraced that sort of style and idea and I think Junior Firpo from Barcelona is is a is a really good sign so I'm looking forward to seeing him I think everyone's always looking forward to seeing him because they're so fun to watch even I think Man United fans secretly enjoy watching this team. Of course, they'll never admit it. But yeah, I'm excited to see him. And I think they'll be more of the same, personally. Leeds fans have got to pinch themselves that Bielsa's still there, haven't they, Luis? Like, how, how, how is, he, is he still there? I mean, he must just love it. He must just love living in Yorkshire and wearing his tracksuit everywhere he goes. Yeah, he does seem to. Um, I think he's really taken to it. And they've taken to him, obviously, uh, the Leeds fans. I think he's adored there. I am probably a little bit more pessimistic about Leeds this season than perhaps than Jamie is. Um, I do think there'll be some kind of drop-off, I think, to maintain those physical levels. I think maybe it was made easier in some ways by kind of going through the pandemic and having almost big breaks for a while as well, sort of thinking about even the season before and uh, kind of leading into, into last season. 
So I think they might have one or two issues in terms of that. I think Bielsa's teams do tend to drop off around this kind of time. I'm thinking of Athletic uh, Club, Athletic Bilbao in general. Uh, Marseille, that was a big problem for them as well. However, I do think they will have enough to kind of stay out of the relegation uh, talk. I think they'll be a little bit more mid-table, though. I'm not sure they can really push for Europe. I think they do have some very exciting players in that team. But I think they could have done with perhaps bringing one or two more players. Maybe they still will give that squad a little bit more depth, um, allow that rotation that can enable them that physical pressing style to continue. So I think that would help them a lot. Um, I think, you know, they'll still be great to watch. Uh, and I definitely look forward to watching them again in the coming season. Um, but I'm not sure they'll have quite enough really to push ahead of that kind of that 10th place mark. Yeah, I, I think mid-table, sort of bottom, uh, top of the bottom half even, you know, I don't think there'd be any shame in that kind of year for Leeds. Keeping hold of Bamford, keeping hold of Rafinha, like Jamie says, keeping hold of Calvin Phillips as well, obviously. He's he's become vital to England now. He, he had a great Euros. Um, so, yeah, exciting times for Leeds. Leicester City next. Will they ever make champ- the Champions League again? Missing out last season by the skin of their teeth, coming fifth. But they could make that up with the fact that they won the FA Cup. Yuri Tielemans scoring a great goal in the final to win that. And now they've got a community shield as well. So who needs Champions League, eh? They strengthened their side with Sumare, Lille's midfielder, uh, joining them. And also Patson Daka, who someone I've read a bit about, but haven't really seen play. So I'm excited to see uh, how he does in England. Yeah, is this the year, Luis, that they, they finally get into the top four? Or are they sort of destined to be a, a Europa League team forever? I'm going to say no. I don't, I don't think they'll get top four, unfortunately. Um, I think there's that stat, I think we might have mentioned it in, in a previous episode, that they've spent more time in the top four than literally any other team, including Manchester City, over the last couple of seasons, which is just a better pill to swallow, I'm sure, for their fans. But yeah, I think they've got some really exciting players. I think you know Harvey Barnes uh, is really someone who can kick on this season, I think, and can get even better. Uh, we'll be really eager to see Pats and Dakar. I think Vardy... Might have a little bit of a drop-off. I think you're already perhaps starting to notice that a little bit in his play. It's almost inevitable. Um, but hopefully, you know, Daka can fill in some of that slack. Nacho as well, you know, had a great spell last season. Uh, so he'd be a good player to watch this season as well. No, I think they will improve and develop. But I just think uh, the other teams around them, thinking particularly, you know, Manchester United, Chelsea, Man City, uh, Liverpool, all strengthening. Yeah, so I think it'll make it a little bit of a tough ask for them to get Champions League. But absolutely, I think fifth, sixth place, maybe looking to go on another cup run, perhaps even push for the for the Europa League as well. Um, so yeah, I think exciting times for them as well. Yeah, I feel like we're reverting back to like a classic top four, really, of, of City, Chelsea, United, Liverpool. I feel like the, the, those four, for me, are just that, that bit higher level than anyone below them. You know, you, your Leicesters, your Spurs your Arsenal's, your Aston Villas, they're sort of in the cluster below them. Um, would you agree, Jamie, or do you think do you think they've got enough to get to the Champions League? I think, unfortunately, yeah, I think it probably is the case. But I, th- I, I, I think they're fifth place. I think Arsenal are still very much in flux. Spurs are definitely in flux. Who, who knows what's going on? What's going on there? So I think they at least have that situation to take advantage of they're a team that know how they play now they've got experienced players that have played the way that Rodgers wants them to play for some time just hopefully they continue to do 
and, and work the way that Rogers wants them to work it. Everyone knows he works so well with younger players uh, as they get older and more experienced. Are they still going to be willing to do the things that he wants them to do? Uh, I think they will, though, and I think uh, they've made some good sign-ins. I, I think they could be the the severe of the Premier League. I think they could. They, I think they have got a good chance. They could do well in the Europa League if there's not not too many big teams sort of drop into it from the the, the Champions League. I don't think there's any shame in that either. I think they're a good side that are pretty well drilled at this point. Having Harvey Barnes and James Justin coming back as well will be absolutely massive. I love Harvey Barnes. I think he's a really, really good player. Uh, and if he can stay fit all season, then I think they'll they'll do well. And I think they might get fifth place. Yeah, you forget the Europa League element as well. I mean, a run in that might come at the cost of their league position. But, you know, if they did well in the Europa League, it's nothing to sniff at, is it really? Quickly, the signing of Ryan Bertrand, I feel that was, that was a really good move. I think he's someone who's still got a lot to give. Uh, he looked quite. He looked handy in the community shield at the weekend. So, yeah, Leicester, Leicester on the right track. All right, you've got your favourite one now, boys. Liverpool. They'll be hoping that their end of season form that carried them into third will continue at the start of this season. They got twenty six points from a possible last thirty as they finished twenty twenty one. They've obviously got Van Dijk back now. He's fit again after the horror tackle Jordan Pickford dealt out last season. Gomez will be fit again. Canate's come in. How, how are you feeling, Luis? Are you feeling pretty positive? I think so. I think a lot of people are kind of griping a bit about the lack of signings. Um, I think, you know, a centre mid would be nice, but I don't think it's necessary. I think you've got both Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott, who is being played a little bit in that position in pre-season. You know, I don't think you can put any faith in Oxlade-Chamberlain and Cater being fit unfortunately, um, but I think you'll have a whole season and a better season out of Thiago, most likely as well. So I think that covers a bit for Wijnaldum leaving too. Yeah, I think the key would be the front three as well. Um, I think some people have criticised Mane for his performances last season. I think Firmino for a little time, I think we've talked about it before, he's had perhaps a bit of a drop-off from his peak, um, but if he can get back to form this season, I think that'll make a huge difference. I think the defence will be strengthened by Konate. And, you know, Van Dijk, if he can stay fit, obviously, you know, there's still not a better centre-back in the world, probably. So I think, absolutely, we'll be pushing again for, for the league title this season. I think the quality is definitely there. Um, we know what these players can do. In general, it's a core squad that's been around for quite a few years now, even if it still feels quite young. And, yeah, I think, absolutely, we'll push Manchester City. I think probably Manchester City will have too much over the course of the season. Probably have a superior squad. How many times have we said that before? But yeah, I think Liverpool will have a good season. I think the potential is there as well, even for, for another Champions League run or something of that nature. Or if Klopp decides to take the domestic cup seriously for once, then he might do well in those as well. Yeah, it looks it looks to me, outside looking in, that they've sort of focused on extending the key contracts on who they already have over bringing players in. Trent's got a new deal. Alisson's got a new deal. Fabinho's got a new deal. Um, Salah and Van Dijk have been talked about getting new deals as well. Is this something that is pissing the fans off, Jamie? Or are they are they quite content with the squad they have? I think everyone's happy to see these new deals coming through for these core players. But I think the main thing that everyone is worried about is is Henderson's deal. There's no there's no currently no deal on the books for Henderson whose contract is looking like it will expire soon. 
I, I would happy with no more transfers if it meant that we could get Jordan Henderson a deal. I don't understand why he's not got a deal yet. I think there's something going on behind the scenes with FSG. I think that's what most fans are sort of worrying about at the moment. It seems like Wijnaldum left in a sort of difficult way after falling out with the board and talking about players being underappreciated by the board. So I, I, I'm not, I feel pretty good about everything other than that, really. I don't, I don't think we need any major transfers. I think the squad could do, we could do with a few more squad players, certainly if the likes of sort of Shakiri and Origi go. But for me, as long as we get Henderson, that contract, that's the only thing that's sort of griping me. And I think the majority of Liverpool fans probably feel the same way about that. I'm just looking forward to seeing Henderson fit again because I think he makes a massive difference. Trent plays better when he's fit. Uh, the defence looks better when he's in front of them. Uh, and I think Thiago will play much better with Fabinho taking control of those defensive duties so he's not constantly getting yellow card all the time. But in general, I feel good, but sort that Henderson contract out because that is a massive thing. It'll be interesting as well, um, going back to AFCON, uh, seeing what impact that has on Liverpool. Obviously, Salah and Mane are, will go in January. Do you think they've they've got the depth, Jamie, to cover them? That's the thing. That's why we need some, some squad players. I think um, they'll have to rely on some younger players, like like possibly Harvey Elliott, to step up and uh, and take those roles. He's had a good good preseason, and so has Minamino. He's also had a good season. So possibly those might seem like new signings almost. Moving on to the team that I have the fewest notes on, the Premier League champions, Manchester City. Jack Grealish has obviously come in the door. That's got to be the biggest or the second biggest story, you could say, with Harry Kane also being linked with going to the Etihad from Spurs. I've got so few notes because it's like, how do you how do you improve on perfection? The only way that City are ever brought down is by Pep overthinking things, as he did during the Champions League final. Do you think, Luis, do you think that Harry Kane will be joining Jack Grealish at Man City? Or, or what, are we made, what are we to make of that? Because from what I'd read uh, about a week ago, Harry Kane had refused to train. Harry Kane's now come out saying he didn't refuse to train. I, I don't know whether he's pushing for a move or what's going on. Supposedly the noises from around Spurs are now that they're relatively happy with Kane and there doesn't seem to be too much of a disagreement now between his representatives and the club. Um, they seem to think it was a little bit of a misunderstanding. I don't think he'll leave. I think it's basically a financial issue. I don't think Manchester City will pay £160 million for a 28-year-old striker. And I don't think Daniel Levy will, will accept any less than that. So they've got that basic impasse there. Maybe you solve that through a cashless player offer. Maybe you throw in someone like Gabriel Jesus to sweeten the deal. But at that point, I mean, will he want to go to Spurs as well? I think that's probably a consideration too. I don't see it happening personally. I think it's probably a bridge too far. I think they're happy with Grealish. They're happy with their attacking options. They've shown they can use Foden or Gundogan as false nines or play them in that kind of striker position. Uh, So I think, you know, they'll still back themselves to have more than enough quality uh, to win this league as well. Um, So no, I don't think they need Harry Kane. And yeah, I mean, what can you say about their prospects, um, they'll just be looking to to add the Champions League really to, to their to their great league form um, over the past few years, and you know you can't really bet against them. Yeah, I would say that in my mind, the the player plus cash that I would include if City were desperate, I I think Raheem Sterling. Like I think 
it, there was plenty of times last season when Pep didn't seem convinced by him, which made it even stranger that he started the Champions League final. Yeah, I, I don't know whether Raheem would want to go back down south. Um, he had a great Euros. I mean, I'm sure Spurs would want him. So, And the other factor is with Grealish coming in, that might limit Sterling's uh, minutes for City even further. Can you wax lyrical about Man City for 30 seconds, Jamie, please? The, the easiest easiest sort of thing to say about them is it will be another season of winning the Premier League but missing out on the Champions League, I think. I think they show that they don't need a striker and then they can, they can play in a way without a striker. And when Pep was asked the other day about whether they need a striker, he emphatically said, no, we don't. They will dominate every team. And Jack Grealish manages to dominate almost every team on his own. So a dominant team with a dominant player how badly can it go? I mean, they'll be City. I think they'll be fine. On the, on the Sterling to Spurs thing, I, I would just say it would be a real shame to not see Kane and Sterling together, wouldn't it, after we saw it at the Euros. So one going one way and the other going the other would be a real shame to not have them playing together at a club week in, week out, because that would be great for, for England. Yeah, that's so true. Didn't, didn't think of that, but yeah, they, they were integral, weren't they, in the summer? Yeah, I think the worst thing is that this City team, it, you can't even hate them. Like, there's, there's so many of their players are so likeable. Like, I, I really like John Stones. I really like Fernandinho. I like Grealish. You know, I, I can't even, like, wish them anything bad because, yeah, they're, they're just a good set of lads. Do we think Fernandinho is still going to play this season? Because every season they say they're yeah. replacing him and then every season they still play. So it would be interesting to see how many minutes he'll get. I still don't think Pep is convinced that Rodri can be trusted without him. Yeah, I think Pep just has so much faith in Fernandinho. Oh, I mean, obviously, for obvious reasons, look at what he's done for Man City over the past few seasons. I did see signs, perhaps in the Community Shield final, perhaps in a couple of games towards the end of last season, that he's flagging a little bit, but he's still back in, in the majority of games against the majority of opposition, for that not to be a problem. But maybe it's that like one or two games, you know, let's say a Champions League final or a semi-final, that, that might bring up an issue against, you know, really top-class opposition. That could be a potential weakness for them. We'll move to the red half of Manchester, Man United. They've brought in Jaden Sancho. If you're not sure who he was, he was the guy that got about four minutes for England at the Euros. I think he'll be pivotal for United this season. I think him coming in, I think Varane coming in at centre-back. Now Maguire finally has that other class centre-back next to him. I think that can only be a good thing. Henderson will probably replace De Gea in goal. I, I feel like United are on for a good season here. Where do you have them finishing, Jamie? They're, I think top four, but I mean, uh, it's top four with City top, and then the other three positions for me are a bit, they could they could go to anyone. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting, really. It's a proper sort of battle, I think, between United, Liverpool and Chelsea, which is great because those are all, those teams that all hate each other. They're all good competitive rivalries. Yeah, I mean, Man United, once again, have got another really expensive puzzle piece, just like they did with Bruno Fernandes and everyone else before. Lindelof, for example, a really expensive puzzle piece. But I think, yeah, I think they'll do really well because they've got the money to get the players in um, and they've got two really good players in for for expensive amounts of money. They'll probably actually get second, you know, as much as it hurts me to say it. I think I think they might might just get it, but I think it's going to be a really enjoyable season this year. I think there'll be other teams actually there to compete with United and City, so that'll be good. A lot of the talks obviously been about Pogba's contract as well this summer. 
obviously, do they sell him now? Do they offer him this mega deal uh, like they did with De Gea a few years ago? Or do they just let his contract run out next summer? Personally, I think like if they could get 40 million for him this summer, I think get I think sell him. I don't I think overall he hasn't really been a success at United. He's he's had some very good games, but he's been very in and out uh, throughout seasons. He's never really convinced me that he was this world, world-class player that I mean he has been for France. We've seen him play really well for France on a regular basis. I think at this point it's like cut your losses and and sell him to PSG or or who, whoever will pay that money. Just interested to hear what you think, Louise. The issue is for PSG, they probably have a, other priorities at the moment. Um, yeah, obviously the, the signing they're getting done today. I think perhaps there's not enough of an impetus there for PSG to want to move for a plug for now. And I, I'm not sure where else he could go, to be honest, that would cover his wages and, you know, a very significant fee too for a player who's, you know, mercurial really at best on, at a club level, it must be said. But no, I think I'll, I'll concur and say that, you know, Man United will be very strong this season. They do have a, a very complete squad, a very deep squad now as well. Perhaps a little bit too deep. I'm sure they'll try to trim some of that dead wood there as well. Yeah, I think a question mark is perhaps over Solskjaer himself, whether he is still a top-level manager. I think the jury's still a little bit out on that. I think he probably won round a few critics last season. But yeah, I think the next step for them is probably seeing you know, how far they can push in terms of silverware. Obviously losing in the Europa League final last time out. Does that spur them on to, to go one step further, perhaps push for, for a Champions League final appearance um, or put really a serious run together for the title? I think they might fall a little bit short, but I definitely think they'll, they'll push very closely. And yeah, I think it should be a, a very good season for them. For Ollie's sake, they need to desperately go after a trophy. You know, even if, it's, if that's the League Cup or the FA Cup, I think they desperately need to win some silverware. And another good thing, Jesse Lingard will be back playing a part at Old Trafford again. I think he's been given a new deal. Uh, Rashford's uh, had his shoulder surgery uh, in the last couple of days so I think Ollie's keen to keep Jesse around just in case so we'll see where that goes One thing they do need to improve on though of course is what the players are eating because we've seen some pretty terrible <laughs> taste in food from the United squad so that's one of the things they probably need to focus on this year get some uh, some burger to go with that cheese and that cheeseburger Jaylings Yeah did you see that Louise? I did. I think Greenwood was one of the worst offenders. Um, I believe it was a well-done steak with nothing else as a side or a starter. So I'm not sure what's going on there. Yeah, if, if you two needed any other reason to hate Man United, then there it is. <laughs> I've got enough reasons already. Don't worry about that. Okay. Newcastle United, what can they do this year? The fans will be back inside St. James's. I feel like they're one of the clubs, along with West Ham, that this will probably negatively impact the team. The lads have probably enjoyed playing some playing their football without a load of uh, raucous Geordies on their back every week. Last year, avoiding the drop, it was all about the loan of Joe Willock from Arsenal. He scored eight goals and 14 appearances. It looks like they're, if it's not confirmed yet, they're going to sign him on a permanent deal from Arsenal. I think maybe 20, 25 million, which, you know, I think think's not bad business. I think Arsenal could have done a lot worse than keeping him, to be honest. That'll be good news for Newcastle fans. Other than that, there hasn't really been any signings to speak of. There's been some new deals for Jacob Murphy, um, Fernandez, Dwight Gale. Yeah, it's a, it's another year of sort of nothingness for Newcastle where they'll just be aiming to to survive. And it's not really good enough, is it, for a team like, like them, Luis, is it? 
it's all you can really expect. And unlike Ashley, unfortunately, um, the club's been in stasis for a long time. It is disappointing, really. You know, it's one of the great uh, grounds in football, really, St. James Park. They're obviously a very uh, long-suffering fan base. And, yeah, I mean, there's not really much to say about them. It's almost a thing. And it just feels like every season we go through the same thing. They have spells where they look terrible. They have spells where they pick up their form a little bit. And all in all, it just adds up to lower mid-table. Um, just tough to see it being anything else this season. Um, they'll probably have enough to stay up. Probably not enough to push beyond the bottom half of the table. Um, so to be honest, there's not much else to say in that sense. You know, and apologies to Newcastle fans, but you know, hopefully, um, we'll see an ownership change in the, in the not too distant future. We can start getting some more excitement really back at that football club. As long as as long as that ownership change doesn't involve the uh, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, then you know. No, precisely, yeah. But yeah, no, you're totally right. There, there really isn't isn't too much to say. Keeping hold of Alan Saint Maxwan will be the brightest light for Newcastle. He's he's pretty good, Jamie, isn't he? Yeah, he's pretty good at putting loads of crosses into the box. Just unfortunately, not many of them get finished. He's really good at what he does, though, which is just to run at players and give Newcastle fans some level of excitement. I think Joe Willock is massive, though. I think that's a, that if they can get him in, that would be good. He got them out of a few scrapes during the season. But the question is, can he get them out of enough scrapes for an entire season? And looking at those contracts as well, you wouldn't say they are, are key contracts that they've chosen to extend instead of making big signings, is it? Jacob Murphy is all right. He's fine. He's not the set maximum. He's not Joe Willock. Federico Fernandez. Well, they've got, they've got so many defenders. It's hard to actually tell, you know, which one is the most important one most of the time. Yeah, he's he's all right. Dwight Gale is their backup striker, isn't he? So it's it's just nothing. It's just nothing there really to tell you that they are going to have a fantastic season. I wonder if maybe they might not be able to do it this year. Maybe they are one of those teams that the teams down the bottom will be looking at potentially to beat in those games where they've got to beat the the beatable sides. Uh, I think Norwich might be quite happy to see Newcastle have a poor season. I think Brighton definitely will be looking forward to seeing Newcastle also not scoring many goals, but letting maybe a few more in. And who knows, maybe Brentford too. Yeah, they, they desperately need Callum Wilson to stay fit for a full season if they're going to have any hope whatsoever, because... Yeah, without him, they're, they're just so toothless. Yeah, we'll stick with the teams likely to be around the bottom and move to Norwich City next. Back in the big time, the yo-yo just keeps going up and down. I'm going to start with the negatives. They've lost their two best players from last year in Emi Wendia, uh, Aston Villa, and Ollie Skip, who's gone back to his parent club Spurs. And their start is pretty goddamn awful. They've got Liverpool at home, City away, Leicester at home, and Arsenal away. Yeah, it's, it's not the best start, um, but I personally am feeling more confident this time. The defence is so much better than it was last time they came up. Um, Gibson from Burnley has made such an improvement at centre-half. Him and Grant Hanley. Grant Hanley, I've never, you know, we all saw him play against England at the Euros and he looked like a man possessed. He was, he was so good. So they've sort of sorted that defensive issue. I'd still like them to sign maybe another centre-back as cover for these two and one hard-hitting sort of big presence in midfield, sort of CDM. They've been linked with Phil Billing. I feel like anyone anyone that would sort of break up play and, and give them a chance because as the midfield stands, it's it's Billy Gilmore, it's Kenny McLean, 
it's it's a bit lightweight for me. And in terms of goals, it'll be interesting to see whether Puki can reclaim his his early season form. Last time he was in the Premier League, they signed Josh Sargent from Werder Bremen. He's got two goals in two games in the 2021-22 Bundesliga 2 season so far. So hopefully he can keep that record up. It's, it's good to see the Canaries back, Jamie, isn't it? Come on. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. They are the, forever that team that's described for playing good football but still go down, which obviously is very frustrating for Norwich fans, as you know. But we're looking forward to seeing some of that football again because no matter who's there, they always are always a good team to watch. For me, it it is just get through those first few games without injuries. That's, I mean, that's the only thing anyone's really looking for for them, isn't it? Keep all those players fit. A few few games for some newer players. But even if you look at, like, Gilmore coming in, he's already got some Premier League experience. So it's just more games under under the belt for him. I think the sergeant looks looks good. There's a lot of, lot of talk in sort of, American football fans about this rise of this young American team. And he's definitely one of those figures they look at, particularly the ones playing abroad that are quite exciting. So that would be good. I think having backup for Pookie is, is absolutely crucial. We know he's a good player, but it's whether he can score and, and stay in the right sort of mental space this year. Uh, I think last time he scored too many of his goals at the beginning and then just, was sort of in his own head towards the end of the season. So actually, it would be nice if he didn't score any of the goals for those first six games and then scored consistently after that. So here's hoping for that, I suppose. Yeah, if he can save them from when it matters. Like, But yeah, you're, you're totally right. I think they needed that backup. They needed that player for, you know, when he's knackered because he runs his heart out all game. We all know we all know Pookie's game. Like, And we need a player of a certain quality. They've got Ida, the young Irish lad, and they've got Jordan Hugill, but I'm not sure either of them are up to it. So, yeah, so I'm happy to give Sargent a go, uh, being a fellow ginger as well. I might even get him on the back of my shirt. Luis, you were there for that historic win at Carrow Road over Man City a couple of years ago. Do you think, from what you've seen, Norwich have got enough about them to stay up this time, or are you going to bring some gloom upon the conversation? <laughs> oh, no, fond memories of that game, absolutely. I do worry, and I think we you mentioned it already about the midfield. I think that could be a problem area, as you say. I mean, it's hard to look at a team in the Premier League and think, you know, that team doesn't have any physicality in midfield and it doesn't have that presence. And I think Norwich is maybe that one team that you do look at thinking, you know, another body in there would, would really help. I think, you know, the likes of, for example, even Alexander Tetti is someone you've had in the past kind of break up that play a little bit and add that energy to... Um, but as you say, looking a lot stronger defensively, which I think is really important, especially as a newly promoted side, you really need to keep it solid at the back if you want to have any chance really of staying up. I think Rashika could be a bit of a wild card. I think he's a player who's come in with a little bit of a reputation, perhaps dropped off last season uh, in, a, in a poor Werder Bremen side. If he can have you know, a big impact and hit the ground running, then I think that could really make a big difference. I think Todd Cantwell staying on big as well. Potentially another big season from him. He looked very good in the Premier League last time he played. And I think he's definitely a player who can kick on and get even better. Yeah, I agree. I think Norwich will be stronger than last time in the Premier League. Maybe they rely a little bit on the likes of, say, Newcastle, Brighton, even Burnley dropping off a little bit to secure their spot. Um, but I definitely think they'll give it a really good shot. Uh, I definitely don't think it'll be the case that they'll be... Um, you know, say five, seven games till the end of the season, then they're already down. 
So I think definitely be hoping for them to, to put in some memorable performances once more. Another team that I think is going to be down there for me, Southampton. They've lost their main goal threat in Danny Ings. He's gone to Villa, as I said before. They've got Shea Adams to try and fill that gap. I'm not sure he's good enough to lead the line on his own. Also, as we were saying, Ward Prowse could potentially leave as well, which would be a massive, massive issue for Hassan Houghton. Ings and Adams scored 21 goals between them last year and Ward Prowse got eight. No one else in that Southampton team got more than three goals and they won five league games in the whole of 2021. And this includes six defeats in a row between January and February. This Southampton team, I find it quite hard to, to read, really. They, they tend to have one 9-0 defeat every season. They pull off a few shocks. They have an injury crisis. I, I, I rate Hassan Hootel as a manager, but I'm not holding much hope for this Southampton team this year. What do, what do you think, Jamie? It's similar to Brighton, really, is it? The, is the manager and the system enough? Do you trust them enough that they can get get results? Uh, it's difficult. I, I think one thing Southampton really need to do this transfer window was to get squad depth around their established players. Uh, and they've lost some of their established players and potentially could lose more of their established players. So they're, they're bringing in squad depth that are going to have to be the first team players. So I think it's quite it's going to be really difficult for them I like Adam Armstrong. I think he's a good signing. Very sort of established championship goal scorer at this point, who I think has potential to be a Premier League goal scorer. He's not Danny Ings, but no way is he Danny Ings, but that might help getting some of those goals. And possibly it might mean that Che Adams has more of a main role in it, but he's not there on his own. He's still going to be in a 4-4-2 up there with another striker who has shown he can score goals. So that's something. As for the other signings, I don't really know much about them, but that's that's the Southampton way, really, isn't it? So I think it's going to be really interesting to see what they do, whether it will be enough or not. Um, I do love Haas and Huto, and I do like the way they play, so I'd still want to try and watch some of their games this year, for sure. Armstrong, is a, I think it's a massive signing, to be fair. He was someone Norwich were linked with, and I'd have loved to have taken him. In terms of the other signings, the loan of Armando Brogia from Chelsea, who's who's been a Chelsea youth player, destined never to really make it in the Chelsea team, as many of them are. He was born in Slough and he's got six caps for Albania. So it'll be interesting to see how he he does in his first go at the Premier League. I think Armstrong will be a good sign, like I say, but yeah, I'm a a bit worried for Southampton. What what do you think, Luis? I can see them going down this season, to be honest. I think it will be very tough for them. I'm not really liking how their squad is shaping up at the moment. I think if they lost Ward Prowse, that would be really the kind of territory that you're talking about. They could have an abject season. I think he's such a key player for them. Uh, as we're talking about, you know, the energy that he could add to Villa and the set pieces. I mean, so much of Southampton's output is through him. Um, I think, you know, if they're serious at all about staying up, they need to keep hold of him. They need Armstrong to hit the ground running and really support Jay Adams up there. Um, but yeah, no, I think it'll be a very long season for Southampton, to be honest. I think I still think they'll play some good football. Uh, I think they'll look good in spells. But yeah, I, I do fear for them a little bit, especially with that, those kind of poor runs of form which seem to afflict them. If those stretch out a little bit longer, or if they can't quite achieve themselves up for some of these big games against the sides around them, for instance, as well, then that could really be a, a sticking point for them. And yeah, something they need to really watch out for. Tottenham Hotspur, finally, after a search that lasted two months, Spurs got a manager to sign on the dotted line. 
It's going to take you through all of the people uh, Spurs were after or linked with before they agreed with Nuno. Nagelsmann, Flick, Ten Hag, Rogers, Pochettino, Conte, Fonseca, Gattuso and Lopetegui all said no before Nuno said yes. It probably won't be as funny as it should be because of how bad Celtic were appointing a new manager. I think that went on for about 100 and something days. But this was pretty terrible for a team of Spurs' size. We, we touched on the Harry Kane saga a little bit. It looks like it, it might be okay now. Like Louis says, I can't see him going to City for that kind of money. I can't see them parting with that much money. They've inquired about Lataro Martinez from Inter Milan. They're obviously going through a lot of financial troubles at the minute, the Italian champions, but I can't see him going to Spurs either. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how Nuno gets on at Spurs. I feel like as a Spurs fan, it's not really an appointment you could get that excited about. He did a good job at Wolves. You know, he, he got them promoted and he established them as a Premier League team. What do you think, Jamie? This is, this is an exciting appointment or do you think this is just, you know, the 10th bloke who, who just happens to say yes? I think it's a weird one, really. You, you would say maybe with the exception of Gattuso, maybe Lopetegui, even though he's done better recently, you'd probably take all of those managers over Nuno for sure. Um, but if I remember rightly, they also went with Nuno first and then he said no and they went for all of those and then he said yes. So maybe in the end they got the man that they wanted? I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see what he does. I think it's a lot of pressure on him. I think until we find out definitely what happens with Kane, he'll either have the pressure of being the manager that's got to deal with a Spurs squad that's just lost their talisman, or he'll have the pressure of getting Harry Kane a trophy to get him to stay for longer. So either way, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. Last year, he played with a a back four a lot more than he did before. Uh, I think he might have to do that with the amount of midfielders that they've got. They've got so many midfielders and so many good midfielders. Um, There's a lot of class there and underperforming players that should be really, really good. But that defence looks quite weak, so maybe he'll go back to a back three, and he's had more success with a back three. So it will be interesting to see. I think he's there for a while. Despite the amount of pressure he'll be under, they're not a team to want to set their manager too much. It's still very much a project team. I think Latoro Martinez, as much as that seems like a shock, it would just be depending on where the cane goes, because if he goes, they'll throw loads of money at him. If not, then maybe they might get some sort of loan to buy type deal. I think they'll probably still have enough to get themselves a Europa League place. But it will be, yeah, it'll be a lot of pressure for Nuno and it'll be interesting to see this season what happens with them. A lot of midfielders, a lot of midfielders that want to play the same position. Uh, Lo Celso and Dombele, Deli Ali, of course. I think they all want to play that sort of number 10 role. Deli Ali only managed 619 minutes in the league last year. So that's pretty wild considering how important he was to Spurs in England for a period. I feel like this is a massive season for him, whether he's really going to make it at Spurs or whether he's going to have to sort of drop down a level. Sign-ins, Brian, Brian Hill. Uh, as, the, as the resident Spanish speaker, Luis, could you tell me how I'm meant to pronounce that? Is it Brian Hill? Brian Hill, yeah. Um, he's coming from Sevilla, uh, an exciting winger. So there's a lot of hopes on him. And Christian Romero, a, a centre-back with five caps for Argentina. He's come in from Atalanta for, I think, 42 million, something like that. So a lot is expected of him too. Is, it, is Europa League 
the aim, Luis, do you think? I guess to start off with the signings, I found Romero in particular, that is a really great signing. I think um, it's been a long time since I've seen an Argentinian centre-back who's impressed me like Romero. I mean, you used to have uh, sort of heaps and heaps of them, you know, players like Roberto Ayala, Walter Samuel, these kinds of players. You don't seem to see that a lot from the Argentinian centre-backs anymore, but I saw him quite a bit last season and he was really impressive both in terms of his defensive play and on the ball. I think, you know, he should be able to slot right in. I think Hill is an exciting signing for them as well. I think they've got quite a few attacking options now. I'm a bit more bullish about them than I am, say, about Arsenal. I think they have more quality in their team, especially, I mean, if we're talking about Kane saying, we've got the likes of Kane, Son, Nardin Hill, we've already talked about Lo Celso and Don Belay. You know, these are top, top players. And I think Nuno's an experienced Premier League manager. Yeah, not the most exciting, but I think he would be good enough to have them push for that fifth or sixth slot at least. And I think they'll fight it out with Leicester a little bit for that. To be honest, I think both of those sides have significantly better sides than Arsenal or, or Wolves or, or any of the chasers underneath them. So I think it could be a little bit of a two-way battle there for, for fifth and sixth. Are you telling me that Federico Fazio and Marcus Rojo didn't impress you as Argentinian centre-back? Not as much, no. Rojo's kung fu kicks, maybe. Watford. Last season saw Watford have two managers as per. They initially started with Vladimir Ivic and with the Hornets fifth in the championship and still within touching distance of the top, he was ruthlessly sacked by the Pozzo family and replaced in December with former Valencia winger Cisco. They've gone from strength to strength since this appointment. They finished second in the end, bouncing back with Norwich at the first time of asking. Their star player is Ishmael Assar. He's, he's a right winger. He's very tricky, very quick. It's terrifying sort of pace. He's, he's one of those players that I was amazed stayed in the championship, a bit like Buendia staying at Norwich. So he's going to be a player to watch this year. But it was mainly at the back that Watford are really impressive. They only conceded 30 goals all year. Cisco put Chile international Francisco Sierralta together with ex-Spurs uh, academy player William Troost Ekong. And uh, as a duo, they were really impressive. And it's, it's the kind of figures, you know, letting 30 goals in, in a season give you that belief that they can stay up. But you can't just have a ruthless defence. You also need to have some sort of threat going forward. Personally, I feel like Watford will struggle in this regard. Gone are the days when you could rely on Troy Deeney He's washed up, he's finished. Don't think he will be doing anything. Only Saar scored double figures in terms of goals for Watford last year, so they struggled in the championship, let alone the, the top division. I think Watford are likely to occupy one of those bottom three places. What do you think, Jamie? Yep, I think they definitely will. I think that is all based on the fact that their next manager that comes in halfway through the season uh, will have a lot to do. Ishmael Saar's good. He's good in the championship and getting double figures in the championship, is it going to get double figures in the Premier League? It's a different story. I think they'll struggle and I won't be too heartbroken about it. I don't like the way they do their business, but there is one thing you can always say about Watford is that they, they seem to use their connections they have in Spain and elsewhere to always get good players in. So, you know, maybe we, maybe we might see some good players coming in for the rest of this transfer window or something in January to please their new manager when he, when he goes in there. And will it be Kike Sanchez-Flores for the third time? <laughs> it's the question. Yeah. But yeah, they, they have definitely strengthened. They've recognised the top end of the pitch is a worry. Uh, Josh King's come in after his short stint at Everton. They've signed Emmanuel Dennis, who's a Nigerian striker who was playing his football in Belgium. 
and Ashley Fletcher's come in from Middlesbrough. I've not seen Emmanuel Dennis play, so I can't comment on him, but Josh King and Ashley Fletcher, Luis, for me, they're not they're not Premier League number nines, really, are they? No, I saw Dennis a little bit in the um in the Champions League actually. Club Bruges, I think, had that group with uh, with Real Madrid in it. He looked quite good, but I mean, it's so hard to tell from that really. And players coming in from the Belgian league, it is a step up. Um, and as you say, I mean, Ashley Fletcher, to my mind, is slightly mediocre even for the championship. Uh, and Josh King is it's a good player, but um, I think most known for for putting penalties away for Bournemouth really, as opposed to being someone who can really electrify a side. Yeah, it's all about the smile of Sar for them going forward. Really, I don't see much else in terms of production. I think, you know, it is a positive for them that they have a solid defence, a settled defensive unit that might help them out. But I still think they're just too limited aside. They don't have anyone anymore like, say, Abdoulaye Dekure, who could really propel that side forward and give them that extra extra edge, uh, which really helped them so much. He was such a key player for them when they were last in the Premier League. I think they're lacking a player like that. I don't see anything else, but for them going down and perhaps joining Crystal Palace as two sides from you know, the outskirts of London uh, to finally be, be heading down into the championship together. Another London team who I don't think will be in any sort of danger this year, West Ham United. Their season will all revolve a bit like Leicester's uh, juggling the Premier League with the Europa League. Obviously, last time they qualified for the Europa League, they managed, they cleverly managed to get themselves put out before the school holidays even started. So they didn't even need to worry about the Europa League. This time they'll be going in at the group stage. Of course, for a lot of the season last year, it seemed that Champions League football was going to be West Ham's destination. In effect, they only missed out on the top four because of a defeat to Newcastle. So I'm sure that hurts a lot of Hammers fans. But they're in the Europa League. That is nothing to be sniffed at, especially with away days returning and things like that. My view is that this season will be different from last. I don't think we will see West Ham challenging for European places this season. I think Moyes is a good manager. He's done a really good job there, but I think they're they're more likely to sort of come mid-table, top of the bottom half, one of those sort of teams. Uh, I'm not sure they have the squad depth to really do the vigorous Thursday night, Sunday night, Thursday night, Sunday night games that is what is asked of you. What do you think, Jamie? Do you think they'll be as good as last season or do you think they'll have to accept a drop? I think losing Lingard will probably have an effect. I think we could see something that resembles a bit of that Burnley season when they had much more football to play and they 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 struggled. And yeah, I think I think um Milenjevic is a is a pretty good player. He's, he's spoken of as as pretty good, but I don't think necessarily centre back was the thing that they needed more signings for. I think I think they need something to create chances. Uh, I think if they get Barkley that'll be a that'll be a massive thing. Um and it'll be good for him to just be settled in a team for a while. He's moved around a lot, but yeah, I think they're. Uh, I think they'll be eighth, ninth, tenth. You know, trusted Moyes. Pretty sure I said that about Moyes last year. Is that he just needs a decent amount of resources and not too much pressure. And I think he'll have that again this season. And again, they'll be consistent. Maybe not as consistent, but still very consistent. They still have a fairly decent year. They're another team that is just very happy, I think, to get to the end of the month and still have like their prize assets as well. Declan Rice is the big one. They were very quick to put a £90 million valuation on him and that seems to have scared off any potential suitors. So that'll be that'll be massive keeping hard of him. 
I think West Ham will sort of have to accept if they want to do well in Europe, I think they'll have to accept a sort of average league season. But will that stop West Ham fans from being as negative as ever, Luis, when they get back inside the London Stadium? No, probably not. And I think they have some justified grievances against the owners. I don't think anyone's cup of tea. But yeah, I think uh, what you both said is absolutely right. You know, ninth or tenth place finished. I think they should really prioritise Europa League because, you know, you might as well go for it. And it, it is even potentially an entry to the Champions League. I know of itself, it's still a prestigious European trophy to win. Uh, for a club like West Ham, it would be absolutely no nothing to, to sniff at. Yeah, I think keeping Declan Rice will really help them. It remains to be seen whether players like Suchek, uh, Kufau, who had really good seasons last season, perhaps is that their ceiling or can they still go a bit further, contribute again in that way this season? Uh, do they have enough depth around them to be able to rotate these players in for the Europa League? I think all these are considerations for them. Yeah, as it stands, I think they'll be solidly mid-table and you know, I think hopefully for them be able to put on a, a run in Europa League and perhaps not get knocked out by, I think, was it Astro Gugio from Romania who knocked them out twice? I think inspired some, some memorable moments on their version of Arsenal fan TV. Lastly, but not least, Wolverhampton Wanderers. These are one of the biggest unknown quantities in the Premier League for me this year. They've got a new boss in Bruno Lago. He's previously managed Benfica in Portugal. His record in the second half of the 2018-19 season was the best ever recorded in Liga Noche where his team Benfica won 18 out of 19 games to romp to the title. It's obviously going to be a very different challenge at Wolves. They finished 13th last season, which personally I don't think was that bad, considering that they lost their main goal threat, uh, Jimenez, all the way back in November, which was a massive impact. It'll be interesting to see what he's like this year as he comes back from that skull fracture. They've brought in a keeper, Jose Sarr, to replace the outgoing Rui Patricio, who's gone to Roma. They've signed a centre-back in Yerson Mosquera and they've signed a young winger from Barcelona called Francisco Trincao. Uh, I'm not sure if you two know this guy, but I've definitely had him on Football Manager and he, <laughs> he's definitely very good on there. What are you thinking, Jamie? you think Wolves can push for top 10 or, or do you think this is a sort of transitional season? I think they'll do better than people expect them to do. I think Bruno Lag is a pretty interesting fella he was the fitness coach at Benfica before he actually got the job as their manager but yeah he's very consistent they play a sort of very solid uh, 4-4-2 but with wingers sort of bombing forward and attacking which perfectly suits Pedro Neto and Traore and Trincao and I think I think they'll do pretty well Jimenez is back the only reason they struggled was because Jimenez wasn't there and Jimenez is back. So I think I think they'll do well. I think they'll get a top 10 finish. I think they have a system there where they bring in top quality players and coaches that they know are good. They know they have connections. They know a lot about Portuguese football. And so far it's worked. So who says it's not going to work this time? I'm not too worried about them really. It's just the, the the fact that Jimenez's injury was a skull fracture. Like I, even as a mental thing, I don't know how that would impact you, your next season. You know, like would you would you hesitate for certain things just for the fear of something terrible like that happening again? Because it was such a freak injury when it happened. What do you make from Luis? Yeah, I think the issue is as well. I mean, he's known for for being quite a good header of the ball as well, and got a few headed goals. Is that going to affect you know his ability or willingness to, to go for those headers? Um, you know, it'd be understandable if it did. So that could be a little bit of a sticking point for them. 
With Bruno Lager for, as well, I think, you know, at the end of his spell at Benfica, I believe uh, they had a terrible run of form that kind of led to his contract being terminated as well. So there are a few question marks, I think, about his record. Having said that, I think they've got enough about them. I think he'll do an all right job. I can see similar situation to West Ham with a 9th or 10th place kind of finish being being what they're looking at. Yeah, and I definitely think they'll, they'll drop off less than they did last season from the season before. I mean, that was a little bit of a freak for them with, with Jimenez picking up that horrible injury, then having to scrabble around to replace them, not being able to adapt their style um, because they had built around them quite a bit. I think they'll be more prepared for that now, even if Jimenez does drop off a little bit in terms of his production uh, up front. I think they'll have other options around them like Trincao. And yeah, I think that they'll do they'll do quite well. And we'll see maybe Naga will kind of cement himself as, as the man for Wolves for a few years to come as well. First game for Lager happens to be against Tottenham Hotspur, managed by a certain Nuno Espirito Santo. So that will be interesting to see how that goes. That is our review. We have covered every team. I'm very proud of ourselves. If I could very quickly get your predictions for champions and top four and relegation, Jamie, would you please be so kind to go first? Yep, sure. No problem. I think it will be City to win. I think... It's between United and Liverpool to come second. I might be tempted to say United second, Liverpool third, Chelsea fourth. Uh, Relegation, I think, will be uh, Newcastle, Palace, and I think it'll be Watford. All right, Lewis, give me yours. Very similar, to be honest. I think Man City will have enough to win it. I think top four is... Not quite in the bag, but I think Liverpool, Man United and Chelsea will be the teams to beat there. I think Chelsea might come second, actually. I really fancy their side this season with the addition of Lukaku to push Man City even all the way. I think to go down, yeah, I can't look past Watford and Palace. I think they look a little bit abject, to be honest. I'll probably add another London club. I think Brentford uh, won't have quite enough really in them to stay up. I think uh, Newcastle and, and Brighton will be counting their lucky stars uh, at the end of the season. Okay, and to finish the trio, I'll go City champions. I'll have Chelsea second. I'm going to go United third, and then Liverpool fourth, and then relegation. Yeah, much for muchness. I think Palace. I think Watford, and to be different, I'll say Southampton. Why not? As soon as Ward Prowse goes, they're done, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Thanks, Louise. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Jamie. Yeah, good to have you back on, Jamie. We'll have to get you on a bit more now, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me again. It was good. (laughs) Really enjoyed that. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back very soon. 